Hello, everybody. This week on the Sportlight Podcast, NFL quarterback and BYU great Jaron Hall. He's been a longtime member of Especially for Athletes, so we go through the Especially for Athletes principles with him and talk about what he's learned in his remarkable journey. It was an incredible discussion. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. We're excited to have Jaron Hall with us today. Jaron's been a longtime member of Especially for Athletes and a close friend of the program. And we've known Jaron since he was, gosh, seven, eighth grade. I think Jaron is when I first started eighth grade, I think, when you and I first met through uh, football and some quarterback stuff. And then you met Shad about that same time. And and you've really been a part of our program since since the beginning. So welcome back. We're glad you're back in Utah now, the offseason from the, your first year in the NFL. How's the adjustment been, being back home in Utah? It's really good. Uh, it's home, so it's not honestly not much of an adjustment. It's kind of a, a breath of fresh air anytime that, you know, me and the girls get to come back here and, and see family. And so we're uh, looking forward to being here for a couple months, just enjoying a little bit of sunshine and um, yeah, just good to be back around, you know, the good people of Utah and, and back around the family. So it was, a uh, it was a good, good year, but we're happy to be home. For those that don't know, Jaron, um, uh, finished up his first year in the NFL with the Minnesota Vikings. I uh, was able to start a couple games and get some, some real good reps in and we're excited to continue to watch him, but we want to dive in more to, especially for athletes type subjects and and topics jaron and maybe we'll talk a little bit more chuby and nfl stuff after so shad why don't you fire the first question at jaron yeah well first of all only someone who played in minnesota would say yeah we came back to utah to the sunshine you know <laughs> so, well jaron you are very familiar with the sport light and what we teach it, especially for athletes with eyes up, do the work and the power that athlete could have if they do have their eyes up and do the work and try to lift other people. We've had the blessing of watching you, your sport light just grow brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. I'm just curious what you've learned in that journey about the message of athletes using their position to help and lift others as your sport light has continued to grow from high school to BYU and then it grew brighter at BYU and then now an NFL quarterback. Have you learned anything about the principle of eyes up, do the work and using your sport light to lift others along that journey that that you could share with our young people? Yeah, I think uh, I think there's a, a lot for me, at least, you know, being so many years that I've been a part of, especially for athletes. It's kind of a, a loaded question for me because there's so many thoughts that I have just because the amount of time I've been in and the experience I've had. But first thing that comes to mind is just for everybody, it's going to be the same message. You know, it's the same message, the same thing we're trying to get. It's this unity amongst the community, amongst kids especially, um, you know, with the times we're growing up in now and how crazy things are um, and just how important sports are to doing that. But also that message, you know, even though it's the same message and, and we want the same thing, it, everybody's role and how they deliver that message is so different. And so for me, I realized that, 
Um, everybody has a different way of spreading it, but then within their own message, you know, how I've spread that message through my actions and, and events I've gone to, people I've been able to speak to, the way I share that message has also changed in of itself. You know, each year, whether I'm in college, I was in high school, now I'm in the NFL, you have a different platform, you meet different people, um, you go through different stages in your life, and at each stage, there's new things that stand out to you in your community, new things that you realize, you know, kids could benefit from, that you could have benefited from, so... I just think that it's it's evolved so much. Um, you look at it, there's a lot that goes to, especially for athletes, but it's also, it just starts with a very simple, uh, you know, the day one, you know, thing that Dustin taught us when he would come speak to the schools and introduce it at practices or in auditoriums, wherever it was, is just understanding that your example, how kind you are to people, um, that stuff matters. You know, I sat a little, uh, I'm actually wearing it right now, it's a little Kindness Counts hoodie. Last year, I did a little, uh, a push for for a, a company I want to eventually open up, you know, which is just focus on, you know, uh, kids and, and anti-bullying and, and just getting into the communities. Very similar to what Dustin does um, for athletes, but for just all kids in general. So I did a line, sold some shirts for it, um, and plan to hopefully open that up one year down the road. But um, just the focus of taking care of kids, being kind to each other, that's, that's the first step to everything. And so throughout the years of I've looked back on it and, and think about your question, how it's changed and, and what it looks like now. It still is the same thing. It's the first step, just being kind to people. Um, the golden rule, treating others as you want to be treated. And I just think that's, you know, you see that at every level at all ages. People that are my age now, older players, um, older adults that I have a chance to interact with now through various things. It, it's, it's all the same message. That's all anybody wants in life is to be treated kindly. Um, and so I think that's really the basis of what it still is. But obviously, I've, I've danced around it a lot. There's a lot that goes to it. But that's just the one thing I always go back on. It's, it's the most simple thing that you can do. But it's very powerful. Well, Jaron, you know, one of our principles, the, the fourth of the four that we, we talk a lot about is seek to bless, not impress. You know that the motto, you, you still wear the wristband, is eyes up, do the work. There's, there's two particular verbs in those uh seek and then obviously work um one of the things that you always did and and i talked to you about this it's one of the things i'm most proud of about you on top of you know i you know this and i've been public about this that i i had a pretty positive uh, uh confidence that you were going to make it someday like I, I at a young age i just saw some things in you that were different but it, what was really different wasn't even so much the athleticism and, and all the things that you have to have to be able to make it in the league, in the NFL, or even in college or high school. But it was the other stuff off the field. You were a very good example, and you still are, of seeking um, and of working. You, I've seen you in situations where you didn't just casually act kind for somebody because the camera was on you um, or act kind just because it was – you know, it, it's easy to be kind to people, right? I think you have to almost try sometimes to not be kind to, to people, but to really go out of your way to find somebody that's struggling. I'll give you an example for those viewers that don't know. If you follow Jaron on social media, you'll see things just recently. I saw you at a top golf or it was at a golf simulator or something, but I know it was just with some high school buddies of yours. Um, I remember when you, you know, when when you were drafted, um, you know, some of the buddies that were the guys who weren't, you know, big time 
recruited high school football players they didn't go on to play they you know they're not but they were just your buddies from your hometown that are still a major part of your life that that you know you you you've always had an eye for everybody and when you were at maple mountain high school uh you really led and led the, by example looking out for those other people so now that you're in the nfl and I get it. It's a business. It's their selfishness in that league. Uh, people are, it's a business, right? Don't, guys don't want to get fired. And guys, it's competitive and a lot of money involved. How do you balance the competitive fire and edge you have to be to stay at that level and also have the empathy and love and compassion for other people to share what we want you to do with seeking to bless and not impress? Is that hard or is that just natural for you? That, that's a great question. Um, it's one I've never had to really talk about out loud as I think about it, but I have a lot of thoughts. I think, number one, the idea of you know seeking to bless and not oppress, that's just got to be who you are. Um, that's not me tooting my own horn, horn, but luckily I have amazing parents. You know, a father who went through a lot growing up, had a lot of uh, crazy stories from his background of a single mother household and things he had to go through and then meeting my mother at BYU after you know making various life changing decisions and how much she blessed his life and attending BYU through their experiences they raised boys you know and a daughter um who loved people around them my parents loved those who they're around I saw that growing up I have wonderful brothers who we didn't love each other all the time but we you know have grown very close and we realized how important relationships are so number one I think it's just got to be part of who you are um, I think for me, I was just blessed with the great family situation that's taught me that. Um, blessed with the great community and great friends, like you said, people I still uh, am around. And so, number one, when you're trying to balance life with those decisions, it's just got to be part of who you are because you're not always going to have time to go out and actively try to push, you know, this idea or be a part speaking and doing the things that you're able to do for your job. Right? Not all of us are able to do that because of of work. So for me, then I got to focus on the business side of football. That's my work. That's number one. Um, all the other stuff is great, but uh, how I feed my family, take care of our, our lifestyle is, is through football currently. So 24-7, that's my focus, you know, so I have less time to do some of those other things and make connections. So, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I have to keep football a priority because to your point, it's a business. You got to stay on the field. You got to stay on the team, whatever you got to do, you know, to, to continue to have a shot in that league. I realize that's my number one. Um, but to make up for the you know time I don't have anymore to attend you know whatever it is um, to build my community I think I make up for that just that being who I am and so every connection I have every time I see somebody in public or meet a new person um, just have a kind face you know be kind to others I just think the balance doesn't always come in the amount of hours you're doing everything because you can't you can't do that I just think the balance is in your intent um, who you are as a person away from other people, you know, being the same person in the dark as you are in the light. So it's a very, it's a very touchy subject you got to feel. And, and it's really very personal to each and every person looks different. But I just think, you know, when you're not doing your work or your sport, whatever, you got to be all in on being that type of person. And, and eventually, you know, that balance will come and, and it'll feel good. But it's kind of how I see it. You know, Jaron, I, I know you and your family have got to know your brothers. And I, I'm curious because you said, you know, it's kind of who you are and you credit your parents for that. And a lot of parents listen to this this podcast. This might be a deep question, you know, but I'm just curious, what are some of those things that your parents did to help you and your brothers and your sister become the people that you are? 
can you look back and kind of see, yeah, man, here's how they kind of built that character in us as we grew up? Well, it depends on which boys and which daughter you're talking about. We all saw it differently. I think KJ and I, we, uh, they were, me and KJ, they were very tough on us. Um, but my dad, you know, he understood what it take for young men at that time in that world we are growing up in to, to really become the best man we need to be in sports and in life. Um, then my younger siblings, it changed. It became a little different for them. But uh, I just think in general, some of the things that they taught us were ultimately, one, respect my mom. That was, that was the biggest thing. I laugh about the leather, you know, the belt and whatnot. But, you know, my dad, he'd get pretty pretty angry at us if we, if we didn't show the proper respect to my mom. So the women in our lives... The women who love us and raise us, we have a special tender heart for for her and for for all of them. In that case, my wife now, my daughter. Um, so that was the first thing for my dad. He taught us. Um, my mom, she she's not so much. She doesn't talk as much as my dad. You know, I know Dustin knows my dad really well. Shad, you probably know him pretty well. He likes to talk. He, you know, that's what he does for a living. So my mom, she doesn't do it very much, but she just loves. And I think that's where the empathy for others, people you know, we don't know. I just think. Everybody in our household just has a natural empathy for people in their lives and wanting to see people succeed. So for her, it was just showing that tenderhearted love that only a mother can do in such a special way. Um, so you combine those two things together. My dad would teach us a lot of lessons and, and tell us how to respect people, sh how to shake somebody's hand, look them in the eye. And my mom was just how to have a good feeling, you know, in your heart at all times. She hated when we fight. She always talked about contention in her household. And she just could not stand it, you know, but you got four boys. So what are you going to do? Um, and so you kind of mix some of those lessons together. And I, I think that was a foundation of, of, you know, what, what really drove us becoming the men that we are. And I'm sure I'm leaving out a couple of things, but that's what I really remember what made a difference for us. That's beautiful, man. That's really beautiful. Jaron, I want to ask you something um, in relation to the day that you were drafted. Uh, I, I remember where I was. I was actually working out a, a quarterback. Uh, I was checking my phone pretty regularly because I knew there was a chance that you, know, you, you might be going there that day. And, and then I started getting some messages from some people that you'd been drafted. And I cut the workout short and hopped in my truck and drove straight to your house and and spent some time with you and your family. And I, I remember a, a little bit of one-on-one -on -one time where you and I, that I told you, hey, at, at some point here, you were doing a lot of media. You were in, you know, I'm uh, on the phone with some people, I'm sure back in Minnesota. Um, I remember in the back room, but I remember saying something to you along the lines of, hey, when things kind of die down a second, it's just getting started. This, this, I mean, you're, you're in it now. Like there's a whole other set of stuff now that you're after, but you have reached a particular goal now that was at one point thought to be just so far off. Um, and I said something to you along the lines of, Hey, take a second and look back, right. And, and enjoy the fact that you're here. And that was what something that was once a dream and a, you know, maybe a, a far-fetched dream and, and you get told all the time growing up how unlikely it is, right, that you're going to be drafted. It's it's less than 1% of college football players make it to the NFL. Um, and it's less than 5% of high school players make it to college. Less than 3% make it to D1. So, you know, you're, you're of a, a small, small group. Did you ever... And I'm, I'm careful with this question because I don't... I know you. I know you're not complacent. So when I say this, it's not like I like I prefaced this question with, you're just getting started now. The goal wasn't to make the NFL. The goal's to 
win a Super Bowl and be a Hall of Famer, right? That's that's the goal now. But you've made it. Did you ever have a did you have a second to sit back and kind of look back at, at the work you put in and the people that were in your life and and kind of have a moment where you 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 know you were able to reflect back and and how was that moment? Because not a lot of people get to have that opportunity to hear their name called. How was that? Yeah, it was very special. Um I was just happy that I did it at my parents' house, you know, where it all started, home with my siblings, with my mom and dad, my grandparents. Um trying to think if anybody else in the family was there, but obviously my wife and my baby girl. And really it was just when the call happened, coming back out, everyone's cheering. Um that's really when it, it kind of I soaked it all in. I don't remember if I got teary-eyed at all. I don't remember the emotions. I just remember how surreal surreal it felt just because there were so many people there. And that's really what it boiled down to was just seeing the people in the room, seeing the people who got me there. Um, everybody's life's different. Everybody has different moments, you know, different things that um, that they do or succeed with that brings a family together. For, for me in that moment, it was football. So I was just grateful for, you know, the sport doing that for me at that time. Um, and yeah, just I just think of that moment was a was the time I took it in the most, and, and I still look back on it to this day, and, and I'm thankful and think about you know those moments and those people, and um, you know I try, obviously every day try to think about you know who I'm doing it for and why, but I just think in that moment coming out of the room talking to the, the GM, um, my head coach, and really just you know, taking it all in in that moment. That was when it really really kind of dawned on me what was what was happening and, and what you know I just accomplished. When you first got out there and put the helmet on and, and realized, all right, this is it, I'm here, what were the first couple things that you noticed were different about being a professional athlete versus being a college athlete? Um, hmm. I just think everybody around you is approaching you very differently. There's a different energy. Um college you you know when you try to bring energy people just start screaming and yelling like you know just there's a different understanding what energy is in the nfl it's a lot more focused energy um guys are squared away a lot more and mine was just rookie you know rookie mini camp and so we're just doing seven on seven and some things but you just sense the urgency and you could sense that this is a little bit different now we're, we're only in rookie mini camps not even a practice it's not a fall camp not a preseason game um and you could just tell there was so much more focus and intensity in that short amount of time you're on the field. And so it just increased your urge to to get up to speed. Um, for me, it took a couple of days. You know, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of nerves. And so I wasn't really my best self to start out. But eventually I settled in you know, over my time there and, and was able just to get back to playing football the way I, I know I can. But and right away, it's just, you know, a little bit of that business feel. Everyone's laser focused. It's an important thing we're all doing. Um, there's a lot of people involved and, and you just want to make sure you're doing your thing, but it, it takes a lot. Was the speed of the game more of a jump in your mind from high school to BYU or from BYU to the Vikings? The athleticism, the speed of the athletes. Yeah, I mean, I want to say I know it should it should be college to, to the NFL. Um I don't know why I feel like remembering high school to college was so crazy, probably because of the mission and I was away for so dang long. Um, but you can definitely tell the NFL is just different. I mean, I think the speed feels um, – I mean, there's guys that are just – I mean, guys are just fast in college that are in the NFL, right? You don't get that much faster going from 
but now you just have 11 guys doing it. Everybody's on the same page. I think that's the difference because you're always going to play against guys. You know, I played against a lot of guys, some first rounders, some guys that are going to be all pro Super Bowl winners. But there was, you know, two or three of them on the field at the time. Now it's it's 11. You know, on your side, 11. So there's 22 guys. And so the overall feel of everything is it's just like you just got to process quicker. You got to make decisions quicker. But at the same time, you, you also, you know, are elevated to that level with your with your own team. And so I felt that really early on my first start at Atlanta. Um, you just kind of elevate with your guys. And, and they're, they're, I mean, to go back to your question, yes, it's college to the NFL, I would say now. Um, they're just more guys doing it. You know, Jared, as we've watched you, unfortunately, but you've handled it incredibly, you've dealt with injury. And I think all of us, you know, when you were in your first NFL start and driving down the field, you know, I was sitting there getting notifications of, uh, you know, that first drive, and then you get down there and get injured at the goal line. And um, I've been inspired to watch how you just have been so resilient and you know that that's one of our main principles, and especially for athletes, is helping them realize that sports can help you develop resilience, and you're going to need that in life. As you've overcome the challenges that you faced with injury and other challenges, what have you learned about resilience that would help the athletes we work with de develop that really important skill to keep going and, and arrive where you are? Yeah, I think you gotta you gotta accept if you're gonna do this thing. Um, you gotta accept that resiliency is something that's gonna be tested day in and day out. It's not just gonna be one defining moment that you overcome a big injury, you overcome a bad game, but it's gonna be tested again and again and again in so many different ways. And I learned that um, probably in the hardest way possible this year in my whole sporting career. Right? I you know had a good you know first game with the Packers, did okay, we finished out the game, and then I had to start with Atlanta. Thought I was playing pretty decent, get hurt. So that's one hurdle you got to overcome. And then, you know, four or five or six weeks later, I'm back in the starting role against the Packers um, with the great opportunity to go play football. And then I get benched at halftime because I'm just not playing ball the way I usually do. Um, there's another hurdle you got to overcome. And so felt like, you know, overcame the concussion, came back. Okay, I'm going to play the same level I did in Atlanta. Bang, doesn't go well. Felt like I prepared the best I could, did everything the same as I did for the Atlanta game. It just didn't turn out the same way. Um, so that's another thing I'm overcoming now, right? And so I think when you think about resiliency and, and how can I take that on as a young guy, for anyone listening, I just think it's, um, and young girl for that matter, I just think it's accepting that it's a, it, it is a long haul. Resiliency is something you learn over your lifetime. Um, you know, you're going to have tests each and every day at different levels. And so um, when you accept it, it's going to be hard. Um, I think the better off you are, but then you also are able to notice all the times when you are resilient because you're paying paying more attention to it because you're aware that it's going to happen a lot. So resiliency is just it's going to happen over and over again, and it's something that you build up, you know, like a callus, you know, a full body callus, a full mind callus, something that builds up from all the experiences you go through. And I mean, it's all up to you at that point. You just got to, you know, drown out the noise and other people, other distractions, and you just got to focus on what you're doing day in and day out. You, you, you said you said something there, Jared, accept that it's going to be hard. And you said something earlier in that answer right there that I, I absolutely loved because you didn't realize what you were saying, but it, it really was the definition of, of resiliency. When you and I spoke the other day, I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've coached you. I, I always, I think you're the, you know, I want to see you 
think you're better than everybody, right? You know me. I think you're you're your MVP of the league is coming. Yeah, uh, make sure this is noted. I got I'm on the record. It's coming. But you um you got benched in that game, and your answer there just was you said because I wasn't playing the way that I usually play. When I called you the other day and we were talking, I, as you remember, was kind of complaining to you a little bit about, oh, I thought that they should have put you back in. I didn't think that that should have, they should have benched you right then. And your answer, you just repeated it. I'm saying this to parents right now that are listening, is that we've got to get our athletes to understand that, to own up to the fact that you just said it. I, I wasn't playing as well. I got benched. Now it was accept that, move on. How do I get better? It wasn't oh, it was this guy's fault or that guy's fault or poor me or the coach did this or, you know, this guy dropped the pass or whatever. As you you own it, you uh, it, 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 it's out of your control now. What is in your control is what you do now to be ready for next time you get the chance. And I, there was a, that's a very uh, important lesson that I hope people caught in your answer there was that your response to being benched at halftime on that game, that national TV game, right? New Year's Eve, and and it's on, and, and you knew the importance of that game, and how many eyeballs and stuff were on you, and um, your answer to that was, I wasn't playing as well as I should have, and now to move on and next page, and and you you built that Teflon, you know, you that callus you talked about to prepare you to be ready for the next thing. It's hard to teach kids that because. We don't know if we're resilient really until we have to be resilient, right? We can think we're resilient, but then we get punched in the face and we realize we don't want to punch back. Um, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but do you have any particular time in your life before the NFL where you felt like your resiliency was was tested uh, it doesn't even have to be sports related. It's something where you had to really dig deep and you found an answer, whether that was through prayer or whether that was through, you know, a, a friend or your parents or something that you had to dig and, and realize you were you had what it took to get through it. Yeah, I always tell everybody I had this I had this question every every interview during the draft process. Um, and the answer was always my two year mission. I serve for the church. I just think <laughs> there's nothing harder I've ever had to do than that. Um, yeah, I mean, the NFL is pretty dang hard, and there's certain parts of it that, that feel very similar. But, you know, you guys have both served missions in two years out there doing that. Um, for anybody that, that doesn't know, it's it's the hardest thing you'll do. And so as a young 18-year-old who was, you know, as every other 18-year-old, pretty addicted to your phone, to your friends, to things that are easy to, you know, get away from the world, I didn't have those things. And I was, I was you know, asked to be an adult and go out and talk to people and spend 24-7 doing that for two years. Um, and so early on, it was a battle of whether or not I can get through this, how I can get through this. And you brought up prayer was a big part of that. Um, remembering my family, remembering uh, just the stories I've heard of how it changed people. And for me, I wanted to change. I wanted to be a better person. Um, I wanted to grow because I, I knew I wanted to be like, you know, some of the, the peers I had in my life. And at that time, that was the only thing I knew that could help me grow. Um, you know, I could have went to school and played football, but um, who knows how that would have went. So. I just think two years of doing that was was a lot for me to overcome. Um, and I'd say all the way through the very last day, I was there every day. It was a decision of whether or not, you know, I'm going to keep doing this. Because you can go home. You know, anybody doesn't know, you can go home at any point you want. Um, it's totally up to you. It's your decision to go how long you want to stay. But 
you know, for me, it was a decision every day that I was going to overcome it. I was going to wake up, get back to work. Um, and I think that actually built a really good foundation for the way I approached my work ethic in college for football um, and now in the NFL. You grew up in Utah and your 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 dad's African-American. That's been a subject, as you know, especially the last uh, several years. We talked about it on this podcast specifically about racial issues and the need for all of us to be better. Utah's oftentimes labeled a, 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 a group of people that don't get it. Um, the word racism gets thrown around. I, I think a little bit more than maybe it should, but, but I'm not, I, I, I can't say that I'm, I'm, I'm not African-American. Um, was that a thing for you? And, and, and have you seen that? And is there, is there something that you could share to all of the, I know your message of you're wearing a shirt that says kindness counts. And I know you're all about love and taking care of everybody, but was that difficult for you? Did you have difficulties with that? Is that something you still have difficulties with? It's that's a very, that's an interesting question because, um, so to answer your question right away for me, I didn't, I was very lucky. I've had some pretty amazing friends. Um, and I've chose to keep myself around some pretty good people, people that I could trust with those things. I felt like um, now you could talk to each of my brothers who would have different, you know, different experiences. I know some of them have dealt with it, um, but I also know people from all different states around the world that have or around the country that have dealt with the same thing. And so, yeah, you targets labeled definitely, but I will say, you know, my dad's culturally has come from a lot of different places, you know, his family in the South, he grew up in Ohio uh, and then uh, in, in Michigan. Um, went to Vegas, so he's been all around the place. And and you know, for him, he decided Utah was a place enough for for him raising his family. And so he's had a lot of those experiences, been a part of some uh, pretty interesting situations, and seen a lot. Um, he probably tell you, you know, you definitely see it in Utah, but you'll see it everywhere else too. Um, but for us, and again, our, my situation is different. I grew up in Utah. I've seen different experiences in, in other people that I'm around now. Um, but for my dad, he, he kept it pretty simple for us that no one can ever tell you, you know, who you are, what you can do. Um, you know, you live in a place where you can go ahead and grind and get whatever you want. Um, some people have easier times than others. His, his journey was a lot harder than what me and my brothers went through, but he went through, you know, and, and made it through. And, and now we're, we're blessed to have a much better life, but you always tell us, don't anybody limit your opportunities. No one can tell you who you are. And, and again, I think that goes with resiliency. But, you know, I personally never had to overcome any of those obstacles. I know there's a lot of people that have, and it's it's sad and unfortunate. That there's people out there that decide, you know, that they can, you know, impose those things on other people. But at the end of the day, it's it's a, it's a group effort. And I think we're moving forward and people are doing better. Um, but I don't know that it'd ever be, you know, totally gone. I think it'll always be a part of, you know, the history of the world. It's 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 been everywhere, right? So, um, again, you know, for me, I was blessed and fortunate. Um, but everyone's situation is different. But, um, you know, I, I love where I'm at. I wouldn't be here if I thought there was any, you know, internal issues. And so, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a good question for this time. You know, I don't know if that a question will ever not be relevant. I think it'll always be around. Uh, but that's just humans being humans. You know, people are imperfect. But uh, I think for the majority of, of everyone, we're trying to push on and, and everyone unite. And so I love the message of the gospel. You know, Jesus Christ is the main uniter, um, regardless of your thoughts about him. Um, you know, it's the best example you can have. So just being kind to everybody again, it all falls right back in line. <clears throat> yes, it does. Awesome.
So I have a quick question for you, Jaron, and that's every now and then, you know, those of us who went on and played college sports, all of a sudden you kind of learn this new level of dedication that you wish you could go back and tell yourself in high school, like, oh man, you don't get it. Like you don't get what hard work is yet. Right. And then now you've taken it from college to a different level. And I think some kids, you know, they just grow up and they don't have some opportunities to learn the real price of greatness in anything, whether it's greatness in school or another extracurricular activity or a sport. What have you learned throughout your journey about the price that it takes to be great? You know our principle of win the hour and being intentional about your day. And now you're professional, so you even have this financial, you know, hey, you you do this and, and you have to try to set yourself apart from the most elite athletes in the whole entire world. And in that process, you probably learned some things about the price or some keys to becoming great at something. Would you share those with us? Mm. I guess I have some great questions. I think at least rooted in me, like the, the main point for success, I think the first thing is understanding sacrifice. It was, luckily, it was, it was, I don't want to say it was forced on me, but at a young age, you know, my dad, he made me and my older brother get jobs. When we were, you know, both, I think KJ was probably 14 or 15, he got his first job. And then I think I turned the same age, I got a job. Same job, the same work, the pizza factory in Spanish Fork. Um, shout out to Coach Jex, hooking that one up, getting us back there, washing dishes, cook, cooking pizzas. But, uh, that was a sacrifice in it. You know, every day we'd be having practice, having school, and on the weekends in high school, that's when everyone's having a good time. People are going out after the games on Fridays. People hang out Saturdays. We were working on Saturdays. You know, I'd have the morning to go work out. Um, or if we had a game on Friday night, I'd get a little regen in the morning, stretch, lift. And then a couple hours later, I was at the pizza shop cooking and cleaning. Um, and at least for me, and, and I'd have to ask KJ about this. I'm sure he saw the same thing because he was a phenomenal athlete, went on playing college at BYU before some injuries. But I just see the similarities in how we, you know, chose to go about our our every part of our day. You know how we work, how we approach school, and then also our social life. It wasn't a lot. We were working, we were practice, we were home, we were at church. Those were like the things we were doing. Not a lot of time to be out with friends, doing a lot of stuff. Um, at least especially for me, I wasn't in the party scene very much. I wasn't in the big group scene. Not that not that you can't do that and still be successful. But for me, anyways, with the way I spent the rest of my time, you know, playing three different sports, I had to make sacrifices, you know, somewhere to put in extra work more than everybody else was um, to make sure I was always staying ahead. So the first thing, and I think the most important thing is just sacrifice is how you're successful. And it changes at each level you get to. But from a young age, you know, my dad, you know, kind of put it on us that if you want this, you got to sacrifice something. And for me, it was social life, was hanging out with friends, um, in which at that time, that's kind of your life, right? That's 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 how you define yourself as your friends and what you do. What advice can you give to athletes who are in this sport like and social media and how social media can flame everything and blow everything up because you were pretty smart with your social media. You didn't get out of control with that. But so you're talking to a 15, 16 year old kid right now, you know, the dangers of social media, what advice or caution or, or would you give to kids and social media use? Oh, that is such a, again, that's such a loaded question because there's so many routes you can go. So, I mean, social media is everything today. Social media is in people's businesses. It's in, um, you know, socially how you interact with friends. It's 
in the entertainment. It's social media. I think is one of the most important things that needs to be addressed for kids. Um, so one to start, and I might go for a little bit. One is don't be a knucklehead on social media. The stuff you think is funny, the stuff you think you and your friends are laughing about. One, you got to be sensitive to what that material is. Um, so be smart about what you're doing. Two, understand that everybody can see everything you're doing. It doesn't matter what you think is safe, what you think is secret. You got to approach everything you do on social media as if anything I click on, anything I look at, anything I post will be seen forever, right? So the simple way, if your mom was in the room with you, would you be doing or saying what you're doing? That's the safest way to do it because this could come back to bite you in the rear end when you're going to college, when you're looking to go play somewhere. Don't let that be, you know, you see that happen all the time where social media ruins someone's career. So that's one when you're using it. Two, then I'd say, you know, you get in this world of these trolls and these people who are just negative. Understand that there's so there's there's different people who who approach that. You know, when your game's being posted, your good plays, your bad plays, you know, stay avoid the comments. Don't be looking at what people are saying about you. Don't be looking at the good stuff. Don't be looking at the bad stuff. Because you know the good stuff's cool, but you start seeing some of those negative messages messages and it messes with your brain. Um, I could send you some interesting messages from this last game against the Packers. I mean, it doesn't matter what level you're at. You're going to get a lot of stuff, so you got to avoid it. Um, understand that those people, they're, you know, really mean ones saying stuff to get personal. You know, one, they're probably people that are pretty miserable themselves. Misery loves company. Um, two, they're just people that have nothing better to do with themselves. So why, why even give them the attention? Nothing they say is validated. Um, has nothing to do with you as a person or your game because you're the one who's out there playing. These people aren't, right? Um, now the people are positive the fans we love them but you know what comes with good is going to come bad as well so you got to you know focus your attention and your energy on the people that are going to positively uplift you um and know that anything someone says about you that does not that does not say who you are as a person your friends your family the people that care about you those ones that matter their opinions your opinion that's what's most important so these people on social media you know they give all these other people the likes and attention it doesn't matter. I just think that this idea of your, um, you know, your self-worth and who you are, you know, being tied to how many followers you got, how many likes you got, the comments being said, it's just, it's just a trap, you know, and that's not going to last forever. We're all going to grow up. We're going to get, if you're not, you know, if you're not in sports anymore, uh, if you're not a young kid anymore, once you start working, none of that stuff's going to matter anymore. So just start, you know, approaching it from that end now. Um, don't let it affect you. And so, I mean, that's that's a, a couple of different avenues to go down. I'm sure there's a lot more I could say about it. But first thing in my mind was just those things. Just understanding it's a it's a great place to be. Great things can come from it can be used so well. But there's I, I think the negative can far outweigh the positive once you start going down that rabbit hole. So you just got to be careful. Um, parents, uh, kids got to work together really just to, to monitor that stuff because, you know, it can get out of hand. You know, we had a cool experience, Jaron, just recently that Dustin and I were talking about. We did a leadership council with a group of kids from a high school and early morning and we did a compete without contempt was the top the topic, which sometimes this social media kind of gets into that, especially in high school where kids are picking back and forth at each other and there's, uh, you know, these barstool sports accounts where you kind of make fun of your rival kind of a thing. And after we got done presenting to them, the administrator called and said that this young man went in and told the administrator, hey, I, I'm the one who runs our barstool account for our our school. And uh, I've been I've been saying some things about the other team and 
some players on the team and i just wanted to apologize for that i just wanted to say i'm sorry for not representing the school well and i want you to know that me and my buddies got together we all deleted the account and it was just a cool thing to hear you know that it's so easy even good-hearted kids could get caught up in what you're what you're talking about obviously those were really good kids and but you get going back and forth and pretty soon what you think is funny could really be hurtful to someone you never know where they're at in their life and and then all of a sudden you're known as the knucklehead who did this to kids on online and that can impact your future and and other things so i thought that was really cool to hear a message like the one you just shared thousands of kids will hear that our hope is that one of you kids if you're being a knucklehead right now just own it delete it say sorry and move on with life and don't don't limit your future just over a stupid post so great advice thank you yeah it's uh again i just i just remember you know when when before I started up, you'd always talk about, and this, I mean, this is going to get pretty personal and hopefully it's not, you know, triggering at all. But, um, I mean, you talk about the suicide rates of young kids and I mean, that's, it, it, it makes me kind of sick to my stomach thinking about I have a daughter now and imagining her, you know, going through teenage years. And that's why I wanted to start this new foundation that mimics kind of what Dustin's does. And, and I know that's why Dustin started this and you guys work together on it. It's just, there's so much, the, I mean, the young kids is what is what you know we all want to focus on. We want to focus on their well-being, their mental health, and that's what's being attacked right now. And social media just feeds off of that. And so, just to add to that message for all the young kids that are listening, don't. I mean, we we're focused on the people who are struggling, right? We want to focus on the kid who's struggling, who doesn't have friends. But don't be the reason that some other kid decides. You know what? Maybe I'm not worth it at this time, or maybe my values. You don't want to be that reason. Because if, if we could all hear each other's thoughts and if you knew that you were making someone feel that way, um, I mean, just I just I just say, think about if you had a son or a daughter, think about, you know, what how you'd feel if someone else pushed them down that way or made them feel like that. And it's much as we love to joke around and be, you know, make jokes with each other and be lighthearted. That's fine if you know each other, right? You're close. But I just I just feel strongly just had to say to everybody out there, you just don't know how powerful your words are. And, you know, someone else decided that they weren't worth, you know, living in this life or something. Just imagine how that affects their family and the people that love and care for them. So it's just not it's just not worth something over, you know, a tweet or, or anything else for that matter. And, and people would take some sentiment like that, make jokes about it anyways. And it's always going to be there. But, uh, you know, if you're personally one that loves your family, your friends, you know, if you just want to be a good person, just just always remember that's just not worth it. You know, um, just keep it positive. Keep it positive. Keep it moving, Darren. I think that's a. I think that's a good one to end on right there, man. You keep. You keep balling out. We're proud of you, um, as especially for athletes at uh, quarterback elite. All the people here in Utah, and and I think BYU and non BYU fans are proud of you as the athlete, and proud of you as the young man, and and as the father of uh, of one and another one on the way. So. Uh, you you uh you keep doing what you're doing man we'll keep in touch of course we're, and uh you're a great example we're we appreciate all you do for us and know that we're supporting you and and only hoping for the best for you i appreciate you guys always good seeing both of you so i feel like you guys get younger every time i see you. is that true you're lie that's the biggest lie in the world well, you you should have heard i wish i could have recorded the conversation we had yesterday about you trying to challenge me into a round of golf 
we're going to have that. You're going to end up posting something on social media about how I beat you. It's going to be embarrassing. Just got to make sure to mention how you asked for eight strokes. Just remember that. Don't, don't be, you know. Here, take, take your hat off again for a second. Take a hat, take that hat off. Let me get a screenshot of that. Hold on. Take that, take that hat off again. My wife gets to see the, the hair underneath this hat. Nobody <laughs> <Body> else. <laughs> hey, you're the best, brother. We love you. Eyes up. Do the work. This has been the Sport Life Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sport Light, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org slash book.